Well, the one piece of news you can't avoid this week is the bushfires. They're just all over the news here and overseas. And, uh, all you know, over the country. All over the country, unfortunately. But the one thing that occurred to us is, well, what about apartment blocks? Because you kind of think, well, the, you know, you're in the city, we're in the city, and we feel pretty safe here apart from the smoke. But then there are all those apartment blocks out in the country. And yeah. we have friends who are staying in one, and they're affected by the fires. So we'll be talking about that. And we're going to be talking about the what to do with feral cats. Not oh. feral cats, actually, sorry. Stray cats. Stray cats hanging around apartment blocks because somebody's happy to feed them. Oh, so this isn't flat chat, it's cat chat. Almost. <laughs> we're getting there. I'm Jimmy Thompson. And I'm Sue Williams. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. Well, I could have said the Flat Cat Wrap, but that conjures up all sorts of negative images. Bushfires. It's funny because you, we forget that there are apartment blocks out in the country, That's especially right. in, in these areas that are being affected. Yeah, because you see all these images of homes and farms and cattle properties and stuff going up in smoke, but you very rarely see apartment buildings. Yeah, and I think part of the reason is that they are a little bit protected because they're in towns, but also they're protected because of the design. Oh yeah, why is that? Well, you know, they don't have wood on the outside. They might have flammable cladding, but, you know, they tend not to be built close to trees and bushes and things like that. It's also, you know, I think just a case of, of good luck. And the people in apartment blocks are having to take precautions. Mm. What kind of things can they do in apartment buildings? Well, um, they can get clear all the garbage off their balconies for a start. Because a lot of fires are started, even in houses, the windows break with the heat and then embers fly in from the fires in the nearby bushes and things like that. I mean, that I'm talking about the ones where the fire hasn't come right up to the side of the building. And that's just as capable of happening in apartment blocks as anywhere else. So stray embers could come and um, light up things left on apartment building balconies like... Um uh, sun loungers and yeah, tables, you know, and wooden tables, clothes and chairs. towels that are hanging over. Yeah, yeah surfboards the, in surf, yeah, areas, look, sea areas. Well, yeah. we shouldn't forget that the two fires, the two flammable cladding fires that have been in Melbourne in the past couple of years, were both started by discarded cigarettes mm. that set light to other stuff that was there, which set light to the flammable cladding. So it doesn't take much. If there's flammable material on the balcony, it can go up. So clearing the balconies is kind of the apartment's equivalent to clearing the gutters in houses, right? Yeah, yeah, or cutting the grass in uh, mm. around buildings. And the other thing you might want to think about if you're in a, uh, an apartment in a bushfire area is the gas cylinder on your barbecue. Oh, because that's often on the balcony and we don't yeah. want that catching light. Well, you don't want it to be overheated for a start. Mm. Um, there's other things that... Where could you store one of those? Well, I would think down in the garage, wouldn't that be a good place? Yeah, that'd be a cooler place, wouldn't but, it, really? Well, anywhere that's going to protect it from the heat, although you do wonder about 
the wisdom of having half a dozen gas cylinders underneath a building that might be going up in flames at some point. <laughs> it's like having a giant bomb down there. But I think that that would be anywhere that's cool and where they're not actually going to come into contact with fire is is going to be good. Because even though you clear your own balcony, you don't know what the person underneath or off to the side has done with theirs. And so many of these buildings, will they have sprinkler systems or not? Well, they... Look, builders tend to put sprinkler systems in where they have to, and they don't have to put them into buildings less than, I think it's 30 metres high. And, you know, most apartment blocks in country towns or in seaside towns tend to be on the small side. I mean, I'm talking about in in New South Wales where the fires are. Mm, And Victoria. So that would be just about three levels or four levels? Yeah, three or four levels. Mm. So you're not going to be... They're, they're not going to be put in there as a mandatory thing. And as I say, most builders, if they don't have to do stuff, they won't do it. Um, so they're not going to have the sprinkler system. Will they, they have fire extinguishers, most buildings? They'll have, they might have a fire hose. Mm. That would probably be mandatory. In fact, the friends of ours who live down in Naruma have a fire hose running through their apartment at the moment because that's the nearest access point between the fire hose and the balcony. I mean, that's the kind of thing they're having to do. They've lost power, which is a big issue uh, during bushfires. In my column in on the Flat Chat website and in the Fin Review this week, I just tried to give some advice to people and what they can do because the fire might not affect them directly, but it could mean a power outage at some oh, point. Oh, sure. And what do you do if there is a power outage? I, mean, I mean, guess there are things you can do to prepare for that. Well, the obvious thing to do is to get batteries. And, you know, some of these battery-powered uh, lanterns for camping oh, sure. would be a good idea. Um, anything that needs... Radios? A radio is, yeah, pretty much essential. But a battery-powered radio, obviously. And you know, so many of so much of our stuff these days is not battery powered. You know, we just plug it into the wall. I mean, and our friends, you know, dug out their old battery radio and then discovered they didn't have the right size batteries. Because they don't make them anymore, probably. Well, they do. They the big D cell, the big fat Mm. D cell. But uh, you know, most radios these days would take double A batteries and rechargeables. You know, so they they had the radio, but they didn't have the the power for it and that's the kind of thing you've really got to think about before the fire comes around because everybody's going to be looking for the same stuff sure and so if the lifts go off which um, they which in this case they've switched them off because of because the power's going off when it comes back on it comes back in a big surge and if you've got a surge of electricity coming into a lift motor it uh, it could blow the whole motor which is a very expensive ooh, thing yeah Mm. could actually start a fire, ironically. So if you're turning off the lifts, then you have to think about people who maybe can't leave their apartments easily because they might be on the fourth floor, say, and they may not be able to walk up and down the stairs comfortably. Yeah. So they should maybe keep a bit of extra food at home and a bit of extra water just in case. Well, food and water. And water is very important for a number of reasons. In buildings over three stories high, the water has to be pumped up generally speaking. If the electricity is out, then the pumps aren't working. There's also the case of the water quality might be compromised, either because there's so much ash in the water or because the water treatment plants, you know, they don't have power either. So that's another thing you have to think about. Older people living in higher floors, when the lifts aren't working, are they going to be able to get down, down to the street, buy food, that kind of thing? We are so dependent on fridges and freezers 
if your power is out, then you really need to get the esky out and, and pack it with all your frozen food and a few perishables. And, you know, generally speaking, if you pack it tightly enough, it will stay frozen for a couple of days. But uh, that's something, again, that you've got to think about. Fresh water, bottled water, all those things. Um, you need water maybe if some of those floating embers land on your balcony. You, you want to be able to put that out very quickly. And uh, then then it's a case, you know, talk to your neighbours, make sure they know what's going on. In a lot of these country areas, of course, the apartments are rented by holidaymakers. And, you know, you might get a notice saying, make your way to the evacuation centre at the town hall or the police station. They might not even know where that is. Yeah. So uh, it's worth just knocking on the door and saying, are you guys OK? Do you, do you know what's going on? Because they may not, may not speak very good English, they might not really understand the bushfire situation because I think a lot of people from overseas don't understand how ferocious bushfires can be and how quickly they can move. Mm. You know, it's kind of, it sort of seems a very vague idea, but when it actually is on their doorstep, they still probably don't realise how important it is. And by the same token, they might be uh, nervous and anxious about a situation that they don't need to be because the warnings that go out are on all these different levels, you know, high fire danger and, you know, the watch and mm. observe or whatever it is that they do. People who live in, who live permanently in these areas have a pretty good idea of, of what level of warning is coming through. Whereas people, like you say, they don't even, it's not even a case of them not having good English. They just don't understand the this, this situation in the country in Australia. So a lot of Australians who live in the city have no idea what it's like out in the country. Yeah. And they, they tend to either be a bit blasé or, or panic too early. Yeah, and I guess if you had an apartment that you were renting out to tourists particularly, it would be nice to have a little map of the town on, on some door or something to, to show them where... Yeah, the inside, the, of a, are. the inside mm. of a cupboard door, a, a map of this is where we are, this is where the police station is, this is where the mm. hospital is. These are the phone numbers that you need yeah. to contact in an emergency, which I guess any rental property should have anyway. Sure. But, you know, still so many English people would still dial 999 instead of 111. Oh, it's 000, zero, zero isn't it? Yeah. There's an <laughs> English, an English right. person who doesn't know the emergency number. Sure. It's triple zero, yes. just in case you're listening and <laughs> wondering what the number is. And also, I guess you want to make sure the fire stairs are clear. I mean, in lots of fire stairs in apartment buildings, they become... A bit of a repository for rubbish too, I think. Well, or an extra storage area. You know, mm. people will put their big bulky furniture that they're not using anymore. Yeah, or they store their bikes there. Yep, mm. yep. And you want you don't want that to be sitting there. But I mean, I've seen in a, a building where they were having the lifts renovated, they put a sofa on one of the lift, the fire stair landings, so for the, the people who were exhausted by the first three flights of stairs could have a bit <laughs> of a rest. It's a great idea. Except... It's a good idea until you. The place goes on fire, and yes. then it's a really bad idea. Mm. But this is why they have these regulations. Regulations that are going to come in with the new Airbnb laws, by the way. About oh, that's right. They're going to really tighten up on those kind of things. Fire exit signs and, and maps and things like that. Um, I don't know. I, I, have a, I have a terrible feeling that uh, the uh, commercial companies will not let that happen. It's just it's too damaging to their business and you know, business tends to take precedence over human life in a lot of cases. And you've got to think about your pets as well. Mm. You know, what, what, what are you going to do with your pets? Where are they going to go? And, and, of course, the tragic thing is all the wildlife as well. 
mm, all the stuff that's, that's horrible, going on with them. Yeah. yeah, you really feel. I mean, obviously, you feel for the people who, who you know have lost family members or lost their homes. Of course. But uh, you know, you just feel sorry for, really sorry for the animals yeah. that are suffering. Because yeah. they have no idea what's going on. It's just a tempest, really. Yeah. 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 And one of our friends has started um, a, a bushfire rescue. Um, fund hasn't she for for wild animals for wires yes she's raising mm. funds for wires mm. it's a facebook page and her name is shannon cleary s-h-a-n-o-n-c-l-e-a-r-y find that facebook page you can donate there she's doing quite well she's raising quite a lot of money yeah she's uh, i think it's been going about a day and she's got ten thousand dollars now she's aiming for seventy thousand dollars so everybody's been sharing the facebook page and uh, p- people have been donating very generously so that's great and you found a thing is it the pots pointers facebook page with uh, somebody asking for volunteers to build possum boxes that's right because they just um i think wise are just running out of volunteers to do stuff for them so they're asking for volunteers to come and help them build these little possum boxes and you know just actually physically help as well so if anyone has some spare time um i know in my area there's a group of people that are organizing a working bee right getting everyone together for a couple of days every week to try and build lots and lots of possum boxes (laughs) right presumably they they offer plans and material yes exactly technical, they have everything technical there. assistance yeah they just need people to hammer the nails in yeah that's right <laughs> i think even i could possibly manage that <laughs> so yeah get your batteries get your lamps get your candles get your everything that can be charged up get those little charger things for your phone for your phone because your phone is at some point if the if the power's out for a long time you that's when you really don't want it to run out of juice so uh, make get one sure of they're the... powered up and ready and waiting and yeah yeah absolutely that's the way to go mm. all right and good luck out there yes indeed we're thinking of you absolutely after this we're going to talk about a problem with stray cats and people who feed them that's after this <laughs> back there's been a bit of a debate in the forum recently about uh, stray cats and people feeding them oh okay how what's happening well there are people who don't want the stray cats around their building and uh, one owner is feeding stray cats and cats are not stupid they know that if there's free food food around they're going to come around looking for it Okay, and what, what's the problem? Are they kind of oh, creating you know, a nuisance? Digging up people's flower Plants, beds and, oh, and, and peeing. Yeah, and fighting with each other. And I imagine if there's tomcats involved, I mean, tomcat pee is one of the mm. horror smells of all time. Mm. I once had my car broken into in Glasgow, and that was talking about adding insult to injury. A tomcat had <laughs> crawled in the broken window and peed in the back seat. <laughs> So, so not only not only had I lost my radio, I had a very smelly car for a few oh, days. Oh no, that sounds horrible. The worst car I ever had, I dropped a bottle of milk on it, and ah. uh, that soaked into the carpet, and the smell was just horrendous. But maybe a tomcat beats even that. Yeah, I I still feel guilty about the time in New Zealand I was returning a a hire car, and on the way I stopped to get a milkshake and tipped it. All over the seat, so rushed home and washed as much as I could. But I had to get the car back by a certain time, and I just 
I felt so sorry for the people who would get that car next, who would be driving along on a sunny day, suddenly going, oh my God, what's that awful smell? Oh, like cars and smells. I once, um, in the Outback once, I ran over a dead kangaroo. Like it right. was just its body was, and I couldn't miss it. I, right. I couldn't avoid it. And uh, it hadn't occurred to me, but when I actually arrived at the motel where I was staying, the car stank horribly. And I kept thinking, what the hell is that smell? And um, I spoke to the guy in the motel and he said, I said, look, I, I don't know, I ran over this kangaroo and there's a terrible smell in the car. He went, oh, yeah, there'll, there'll be bits of the kangaroo underneath the car in the undercarriage. Um, and I said, oh, my God, well, what do I do? And he said, you have to scrape it off. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. And I think my face must have shown my horror. And this man said, I'll do it for you. And wow. I said, you're joking. He said, no, 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 that's fine. No problem at all. We do this all the time for our guests. And he went under the car and scraped off bits of dead kangaroo. Oh, and I think that was the most heroic thing anyone's ever done for me. Well, you being a vegetarian. Oh, it, well, yeah, yeah I was thinking. Double, oh, double horror. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the, the kangaroo was dead. It was, you know, I didn't kill it. Yeah, you kill didn't it, kill it. No. But um, it was just, the stink was just horrendous. <laughs> but anyway, back to cats. Back to cats, yes. <laughs> so... There have been various suggestions. I mean, my suggestion was uh, you contact one of the cat protection charities and they'll trap, neuter and release because mm. a lot of them don't believe, you know, once a cat has been a street cat for a while, it's very hard to get it back to being uh, domesticated. Usually they'll, they'll trap a mother and her kittens and they neuter the mother and release her and then try and find homes for the kittens. Yeah, that sounds a good idea. Yeah. It's apparently, according to somebody that's written to the column, they don't have the money to do that anymore. And I'm hoping that's not true because, you know, it's just an awful prospect. Some councils will give you a trap for the cats, but when you hand the cat back to them, they just have it destroyed. Oh, that would be awful. And I don't think anybody particularly wants that on their conscience. Sure. It must be some groups have run out of money, but there are other groups still going. But presumably people can just phone up their, their cat protection league or their local cat refuge and just find out what the situation is in their area. Yeah. You know, it's the nature of charity at the moment, there'd be so much money going into the bushfire relief and, and the charities like our friends you know, raising money for wires that uh, other things will just be forgotten for a while. I mean, this tends to be what happens with all charities. You get, you know, I think people have quite naturally have a limit on the amount of money that they can commit to charity, you know, any week, any month. So, you know, they're not going to give away extra money. They're just going to funnel it towards the most obvious sure. things. But it's hard because there's lots of more wildlife, I think, coming into towns because it's looking for they're looking for food yeah. and they're looking for drink because the you know the bush is so parched out there yeah. they're fleeing the fires so we're seeing a lot more kangaroos and a lot more wallabies and um, koalas actually coming into towns too and yeah. if you've got marauding cats oh, right. you know it's yeah. a terrible combination really well yeah especially for birds coming in birds mm. and small uh, mammals yeah because people are saying now you should be putting out water on your balcony of your apartment building because a lot of birds just can't get water in their usual places. so And they're having to fly long distances to, to get, get get it away from bushfires. So right. that's a good idea to also leave water out. Right. Unless you've got cats, of course. <laughs> or bylaws that say you shouldn't feed animals. Yeah, but 
I mean, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in, in, in these in, dire times, yeah. you know, bylaws... You'd have to be pretty heartless to, oh, yeah. to uh, ping somebody for letting a few wee birds have a, have a drink. Absolutely. And a lot of people are reporting that they're putting out water for birds and they're, they're getting a lot more birds than they've ever had before. And birds come down and actually drink the water for five minutes, you know. Really? So they're really, really parched. Yeah. Wow. Well, you know, there's been so much wildlife lost, although hearing the radio this morning the um it most of it is uh like lizards and things like that mm. uh, who live underneath the leaf litter sure which is food for other animals yeah and also they keep the insects down you yeah. know there's a big ecological disturbance that we won't realize the full effects of that for a year or more Mm. when you know the whole cycle starts again and and if we have plagues of flies and insects we know we know why sure absolutely but there are occasionally nice stories coming out aren't there i mean well there's that famous picture of the koala being fed water you know it's been around by a couple of couple of years you know Mm. um you know and it, it just it just looks so humane and cute at the same time but there's a new one you were telling me about from this lot of fires. That's right. It's by a truck driver who was carting water and he was supplying water to other water trucks. And he was driving along and he saw a, a little juvenile koala come stumbling out of the bush, really disoriented. So he went down and picked it up and gave him a long drink of water again. Right. And um, and then put him in his cab and he had, took a picture of the koala sitting on his steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> so it was cute. And then it obviously took him to Wise to, to right. look after him. But, um, yeah, he was just sort of a bit disoriented and confused and, you know, probably his his mother had been killed, I would imagine, yeah. by the fires yeah. as well. So, so, yeah, so there is some hope there always. But it is a really dire, desperate, horrible situation, I think. Yes. So I think our cats, our, our stray cats, are going to be fairly low down the list of priorities. But uh, it would be nice to think there was we'd still find some way of, of looking after them without yeah. having to have them all taken Absolutely. away and gassed or whatever it is they do with them. Yeah, a friend of mine regularly goes out and traps... Um, cats on building sites and she always manages to find homes for all the kittens which is fantastic all right so she's doing really great work yeah she has a little band of people who come with her now and she's got really good at trapping the cats as well right i think i'm going to be a kitten hunter when i grow up (laughs) okay well well that's uh i think that's enough for this week and um we again you know, we're thinking about all the people out there and, and the bushfires. Uh, look after yourselves. Take care. Listen to the ABC radio. It is an amazing service that they provide. It's a real, genuine, literal lifeline for a lot of people. And um, I hope when the government is thinking about what they're going to do to prevent these disasters in the future, it they take a second to think about what they've been doing to the ABC recently because it's actually saving people's lives with the funding cuts absolutely Mm, yeah yeah. um that's all for us thanks very much sue again pleasure jimmy and uh, we'll talk to you again soon stay safe bye If you enjoy these podcasts, and would you still be listening if you didn't, you can subscribe free of charge on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and lots of other podcast platforms. 
As I said, it's free of charge, and that means the podcast will be delivered directly to your phone, laptop, or computer as soon as it's published. You'll find links at the end of the show notes, that's the related story, on the Flat Chat website. And the website is where you go to find the stories we've been discussing today, as well as about 10 years of archives and, of course, your questions and answers on the Flat Chat forum. Just log in to flat-chat.com.au to ask a question or, even better, answer someone else's. Okay, thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon.